Let's go, girls. This is Jennifer Blome and Wendy Weiss. Come on. On KTRS. Brought to you by STL Medical Weight Loss. See the Dr. Joe difference at stlmedweightloss.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Jennifer and Wendy Show on this Monday, February the 26th. Wendy Weiss is off today. Connor McCarthy filling in. Morning, Connor. Good morning. The World Bank's Missouri text lines open at 84126, and we encourage you to take part. That's your microphone. In just a few minutes, we will speak with St. Louis Post-Dispatch Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist Tony Messenger. His book, Profit and Punishment, uh, was written in 2021, and he'll be appearing at the St. Louis County County Library on Thursday. This is part of our book club, and the book is enlightening. I encourage you to listen, text in any questions you have. I was just saying to Connor, um, of course, as many of you know, my late brother was incarcerated on and off for much of his adult life and always had a family to pay his way, uh, but I just did not realize how many small towns there were in Missouri where you would be held in jail if you couldn't pay a fine, even for shoplifting or misdemeanor. And then when you got out, you owed them rent. Which is kind of ridiculous, mm-hmm. I think. Quite ridiculous. And not only did Tony Messenger win a Pulitzer, but there have been changes in the system since the book came out. And so we will ask him about that. And I, I just feel so ignorant before I read this book, Connor, because I used to think, what is the big deal? about getting a traffic ticket and having to pay mm-hmm. a fine. I once got a traffic ticket when I was 17 with my dad. We had to go to court in Pennsylvania. He paid a fine. You know, I was too dumb to even think about it. I knew dad would take care of it, but this just upends people's lives in a way we cannot imagine. Right. Tony will be along to talk with us about that. And then I I think most everybody who lives in St. Louis knows about Clayco Construction. Bob Clark was 25 years old in 1984 when he first formed the company. And um, now they are, <laughs> you know, what they do is develop, design, and construct buildings for people in a way that nobody does as well. Clayco has offices everywhere, but they also have a construction career development initiative where they help young people get into the business. So we'll chat with Missouri State Senator Brian Williams, who has been named as the executive director of CCDI. And also Devon Johnson, one of the alums of this program, will be in the studio uh, to talk about how CCDI helped him and where his business is today. And then Jennifer McDaniel from McDaniel Nutrition Therapy will join us to talk about creatine for women. I've heard about this supplement on my family text line, but I really knew very little about it too. Sure, it's like uh, the protein, or it's what you do when you, before you work out, right? Yeah. It's in a lot of pre-workout. And there, Jennifer will talk about all the benefits that it has for women. Um, the weather is nice. Some of our texters are at spring training who just texted in and said it's not as warm down there as it is in St. Louis, but we're in for a couple of warm, warm So there days you go. Here. It's nicer weather here than in Florida. <laughs> yes. Can I just ask you a question about MLB and see-through pants? Oh, yeah. The, what, what's <laughs> up with this? I... Uh, they, have, they have these new pants, although I think their, their, their uh, statement uh, on it is that, in fact, the pants were that way last year and we just didn't notice, which I find hard to believe. But, yeah, the... They're very thin. You can see, you know, the jerseys if they're tucked in or like the compression shorts. If they're wearing them, you can see the logo on them. 
and the players do not like them, and neither does anyone else. So the players are complaining. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just from the look, or does it affect how they play? Uh, so they, I think they actually complained about the fit. Uh, this year, unlike prior, so they used to be tailored, I guess. They would get, you know, cup-fitted pants, and this year they're not like that. So I think that's probably the biggest complaint. Interesting. <laughs> I'm glad I'm up to date on that one. Again, the Royal Banks of Missouri text line is open at 84126. And when we come back, we'll chat with Tony Messenger about his new book. You know, you may come to the point in your life where you have to find an assisted living and memory care community for your parents or your loved ones. And that is not an easy task. As Wendy and I have talked about, we both had to do this with late parents who lived in uh, Florida. And it was very, very difficult. I always wanted my dad to move to St. Louis because I knew about McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care. And one of the great things is that it's locally owned. So if you have a loved one who's transitioning into an assisted living and memory care community and they're having difficulty, of course you want to go in and talk to someone about it. And at McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care, you can do that because they're St. Louisans. It is locally owned. They will be there for you. They do a lot of things to help the person transition when they move there because a lot of people are already facing losses, the loss of a spouse, the loss of their home. They're losing their memories. They want to go somewhere where they are safe and secure and still connect with people and still stay present. If you've ever volunteered at a nursing home or you have... um, A family member in an assisted living and memory care community, you know what the experts say, meet them where they are, stay present with them and help them to be vital and alive. And they have so many great programs at McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care. They have art therapy. They have music therapy. There are these interconnected apartments. They really help the new residents stay connected and develop friendships, and that is so important. If you are interested in taking a tour of McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care, call Leslie, Kelly, or Gretchen, and they'll schedule a tour for you. The number's easy to remember, 314-993-3333. If you tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you, you'll receive a special offer. St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist Tony Messenger is a Pulitzer Prize winner for commentary for his series of columns on debtors' prisons in Missouri. You may have heard him talk about that right here on the Big 550 on McGraw Show over the years. Well, Tony is joining us on the phone to talk about his book, Profit and Punishment, How America Criminalizes the Poor in the Name of Justice. And you can see Tony Thursday, February 9th, 7 p.m., the Mirowitz Performing Arts Center at the JCC of St. Louis. That is part of St. Louis County's author events. Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, 80% of the cases I learned from your book that make their way through the court systems are misdemeanors. And these are the types of cases you have spent years following? Yeah, and and what unfortunately happens for so many folks uh, is that after you plead guilty to a misdemeanor, you end up getting a bill for all sorts of uh, fines and fees, many of which have nothing to do with uh, your offense. They're, they're fees that legislatures have put on the court system as sort of a backdoor tax. And what happens to a lot of poor people is they can't afford to pay that bill after they've already you know, made their way through the court system. And they end up being uh, put back in jail often 
primarily because they're poor, because they can't afford to pay this bill that has nothing to do with trying to discourage them from stealing an $8 tube of mascara from Walmart again or you know whatever the, uh, the offense may be. And this is really a massive problem in our criminal justice system. These are called board bills or pay-to-stay bills. Do we have these in the city of St. Louis, in the city of Kansas City, or is it just the rural areas? So the the biggest part of the bill that a lot of people get in rural Missouri is is what you just mentioned, the board bill. And that is a charge for for a time for staying in jail. Uh, You're there 30 days. It can be several hundred dollars or so. And most, almost every rural county in the state charges that. The city of St. Louis doesn't. Most of the municipalities in the, uh, in the metro areas in St. Louis and Kansas City don't. But most of the rural areas do. And every state in the country has a similar law that allows cities or counties or the state prison system to charge people for their time in jail. And it's really just a tax on poor people um, because most of those facilities, uh, as, as, as your listeners know, we're already paying a variety of taxes into our cities and counties to pay for jails, to pay for law enforcement. This is just an additional bill charged on, on poor people. And the problem that was happening in Missouri, but luckily is not anymore, thanks to the Missouri Supreme Court in 2019 and the Missouri legislature in 2019, is people who couldn't afford to pay those bills were being put back in jail uh, if they if they fell behind on their payments. The, the Supreme Court ruled that's illegal. You can't do that anymore. So there's been a, a slight uh, move toward justice in in Missouri, but people are still being charged those bills for staying in uh, for their time in jail. Tony, as you know, we have a text line, and it's funny what one texter just wrote because you mentioned this in your book. The texter says, "I wonder if Otis got a bill every night that he had to spend in jail in Mayberry." And you do make mention of that because that's what a lot of us we we have this idea about it that looks so friendly. It isn't. I do. And, you know, one of the interesting things about Missouri law when I was writing the book, and by the way, the paperback comes out tomorrow. I'm very excited about about this. My uh, you know, my book came out a couple of years ago, but the paperback comes out tomorrow. So it'll be available in local bookstores. But um, I, I write a section in which I talk about the changes in Missouri law over the years. So back in the early 1900s, Missouri law looked a lot like that 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 Otis experience for those of us that watched the old Andy Griffith show, Mayberry RFD, where Otis would would go on a bender and would get drunk and would sometimes even put himself in jail. Sometimes Barney Fife would the deputy would bring him into jail and sometimes he'd put himself in jail and Aunt B would bring him uh, a meal uh-huh. and a pillow and a blanket and all of that. Well, Missouri's law used to look like that. Missouri state law, as it relates to local jails, used to allow people to bring in their own food and their own blankets and pillows and bedding and that sort of thing. And, and the reason for that was the law recognized that, that the people who end up in, in the city jail or the county jail are not supposed to be there forever. You know, most people who end up in jail, they did something stupid. They're getting punished for a few days, and then they're going to go back home. And and we want people to feel comfortable and be put back in the community. And there was this recognition that, you know, the jails are supported by taxpayers. And so 
hey, you know what? Let's save a little bit of money. Let them let them bring in a pillow and some and some food and and all of that, and 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 it can make them more comfortable and save the taxpayers money. And it was a the, you could read the law and say, wow, this was a much more humane law. Well, the law law no longer has any of those things. Instead, it has we're going to charge you fifty bucks a day or seventy five bucks a day or thirty five bucks a day, and then after you plead guilty or are convicted, we're going to try to collect that money from you. And it's really awful. What was happening in Missouri and still is to some degree is people would get out of jail. They'd, they'd serve their time, 30 days, 60 days, whatever it was. They get out of jail. They get this bill. And then the judge was scheduling them to come back to court once a month. And 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 answer for, hey, you owe this seven hundred dollar bill or this five thousand dollar bill. And uh, so you're going to come to court once a month and make a payment or tell me why you can't. And and what happens is these are you know, these are single moms. These are people working in minimum wage jobs. If they can even find a job in rural Missouri, they don't have mass transportation. Their car breaks down. They miss a court date. Now the judge issues a warrant for their arrest. And they're getting jailed. And if you ask the jail, you ask the judge, he's not putting them back in jail for uh, debtor's prison. He's putting them back in jail because they missed a court date. Well, the only reason that court date existed was to collect a tax. We've turned our local judges in rural Missouri into tax collectors. And, you know, this, the, the sad reality, and this is why I wrote the book, is that this is not just a rural Missouri problem. This is a problem all over the country. I know you have had many comments like this new one that came in on our text line, and I am positive that this person has not read your book. But here is the comment. Is this guy for real? I think crime should be punished. That's the whole point. You know, I, and, and yes, I received comments like that. And, and I used to get a bunch of them when I started writing these columns back in 2017, 2018, 2019. And then as people read them more and more, they realized, wait a minute. The old saying, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Well, the people that I'm writing about in this book are people who have paid their debt to society. Uh, one of the main characters in the book is a woman from Dent County, Missouri, named Brooke Bergen. She stole an $8 tube of mascara. She ended up doing a year in the county jail for uh, stealing that $8 tube of mascara because of all the ways in which we criminalize poverty in America. Now – uh, most people I know don't think that a year in jail for an $8 tube of mascara is reasonable, but she did that time. And then what happened was she got out of jail, and they gave her a $15,000 bill and said, you are now tethered to this court for the rest of your life because we know you can't pay that $15 bill, that $15,000 bill. So you're going to keep coming to court, and, and eventually you're going to miss a court date or you're going to fail a drug test, and we're going to put you back in jail again. And that's what happened to Brooke, and that's what happens to people all over America. It's simply not just. We're not talking about taking away punishment for crime. We're talking about the punishment fitting the crime and not using the courts as a backdoor tax system. And one of the reasons that this movement to end justice fees, to reduce the, the amount of, of fees that the legislature is putting on the court system, one of the reasons that there's a big movement to change this is conservatives in the system are recognizing we don't want to use our tax system like this. 
we don't want to use our criminal justice system like this because we're punishing people for being poor rather than actually worrying about public safety and using our police and our courts and our entire law enforcement system to focus on serious violent crimes rather than trying to collect a few shekels out of poor people who committed minor crimes. These are folks who served their time, who paid their debt to society, and then, because the legislature has used the courts as a backdoor tax system, end up back in jail simply because they're poor and they can't afford to pay their taxes that have nothing to do with the crime that they committed. Tony, you also write that in Missouri, at the time you wrote the book, misdemeanor probation was supervised by private companies with a profit motive. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, that is still the case, unfortunately, in Missouri and in a lot of states. So back in the Great Recession around 2008 or so, the state of Missouri, it used to be that um, that all of the people in probation and, and parole in the state of Missouri for misdemeanors and felonies were state employees. And they were the folks who, when you when you got out on bail, uh, similar to if you get out on a conviction and you've got a probation officer, you had this this person at the state that you would keep in touch with that would call you, you know, help make sure you show up in court and all of that. Well, the state of Missouri got rid of that at the state level, and all of these entrepreneurs came up and said, hey, wait a minute. We, we still want to supervise these folks. Let's start private for-profit businesses. So throughout Missouri now, if you are on pretrial release uh, or if you are on probation after a conviction, you are supervised by a for-profit company. And that company is making money off of the ankle bracelet that you wear that you might have to spend $300 a month on. That company is drug testing you even if you weren't convicted of a drug offense. This is what happens to a lot of folks. You get uh, a misdemeanor assault case or a misdemeanor shoplifting case, but the contract for the for-profit probation company is that they get to charge you 30 bucks a month for drug testing. And so you drug test. Well, you're a rural Missouri kid who smokes pot or has had a meth problem or whatever, and you, you pee dirty. You, you fail a drug test or you fail to respond to the phone call calling you in for the random drug test. Now they're going to the judge and saying, judge, you got to violate this person, put him back in jail. Well, what does that do? That increases the amount of time of probation, and they actually end up making more money for the, for the for-profit uh, company that has a profit motive. In the state of Missouri, it is easier to walk down your time on probation if you are convicted of a serious felony than it is a misdemeanor. Think about this, your texter who wants to be tough on crime. In the state of Missouri, if you convict if you're convicted of a felony, let's say let's say a murder charge or or, or a gun charge, you're still supervised by by state probation. And the state has a law that says for one year of good time on probation, your overall probation is reduced by a year. So if you have four years of probation when you get out of prison and you're good for the first two years, then you're done with probation if you committed a felony. That's the way the legislature has set up the law. It's an incentive for you to do the right things and to save taxpayers money and not be on supervised probation forever. That's not the case if you're convicted of a misdemeanor in Missouri. 
In Missouri, if you get four-year probation for a misdemeanor, it's four-year probation. There's no walking it down. And you're supervised that entire time by a for-profit company that is charging you for their services and looking for ways to get you back in jail so that they can extend the probation and they get more money. It is unbelievably insane, and it has nothing to do with improving public safety. You mentioned when you were traveling to these rural communities as a reporter and sitting in courtrooms that once you were asked to leave a courtroom, can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, it was actually in Dent County, and I went there to to see uh, uh, a a hearing one day that Brooke Bergen was involved in, and, and it was one of these hearings where the judge basically is just collecting money, and the courtroom is packed. There's 30, 40 people. There's people waiting outside the building to get in, fairly small courtroom, and I'm walking in. And the judge or the, the bailiff has this list of all the people who have a court date today. And literally, these are all people almost entirely. There was maybe one or two arraignments. The rest of the people were all there uh, on, on review hearings to basically pay money on old cases. It was, it was a tax collection day, basically. And I, I go up to the bailiff and, and you know, put my uh, – pen and notebook in the the little basket and start to walk through the uh um the metal detector and the bailiff says you're not on my list i'm like no no i'm a reporter i'm just here to observe court today and he said well boy i i just don't know if you can do that (laughs) and i said yes yes i can i said I, i don't even have to be a reporter any citizen can walk in on any day and observe open court unless it happens to be a juvenile hearing or another hearing that by statute is closed. This is an open court hearing, and I'm coming in to walk. I I need to go check with the judge. And he went back, and he checked with the judge, whose name was Brandy Baird. She's not a judge anymore. The voters sent her away. And and he comes back, and he says, the judge said you didn't follow the regulations. Now, what he was talking about is there's a – there's a media rule in Missouri where if you want to use the cameras in the courtroom, you have to ask the local media coordinator for permission, and some judges will let you uh, bring a camera in the courtroom, and some some judges won't. Uh, you know, people in St. Louis are used to that. There are some big high-profile cases that end up on court TV. There's others that end up with a camera. Well, that's the only rule that exists in Missouri court to get permission. I I left my phone in the car because I knew how these rural courts were, and I said, look, I just got a notebook and a pen. I'm not violating any regulation. Let me in your courtroom, or I'm going to call our attorney, and we'll file a writ with the court to, to force me in. And he goes back to the judge again. And then he comes back and he says, okay, she says, you can sit over there. And and I sit in court that day, and it is like so many courts throughout the country. And and we saw this in St. Louis quite a bit after uh, Michael Brown died in 2014 when there was a lot of focus on the municipal courts in North St. Louis County. It's a very similar sort of scheme. A lot of those municipal courts were using the courts to raise money for the cities that have low tax bases. And this is really a, a built-in function of the criminal justice system throughout America, whether you're in a rural county in, in Missouri or, or a small municipality in North St. Louis County or a lot of major cities and states all over the country. And the, there's a reason the judge didn't want me there that day because the whole thing, 
the whole day was about collecting money from poor people and threatening them with jail if they didn't have enough cash. And it was just astounding to see. It was it was it was one of the most eye opening days I've ever had in, in a courtroom. Well, the other thing you point out in your book is that poverty is relative. And Tony Messenger, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist, tells the story of a young man who had a job in central Missouri. He drove to Colorado to pick up his kids. They joked about the community rag, which is what they used as a napkin when they were having pizza because there was no money for paper towels. And this divorced dad or divorcing dad heard a beep beep and he realized that his car was being repossessed. Can you tell our viewers, our listeners a little bit more about that? Yeah, that was me. And, uh, you know, early in my life, uh, I, I was relatively poor and that's why I always talk about poverty in, in, in a, in a relative sense. I've always had a job. I've always had, uh, income. I haven't always made the best decisions, you know, had health care problems, went through a divorce earlier in my life, all of those sorts of things. But when when you are poor and you end up having an interaction with the court system, um, the court system should be worried about um, improving public safety in the community, not punishing you because you're poor. And I think the fact that I went through some of these things is one of the reasons that just helped me recognize the humanity in the people that I wrote about. One of the things that I write about in the book is that many states, including Missouri, still have a system by which they will suspend your driver's license if you fall behind on court debt. Now, states all over the country are changing this because it just makes no sense. Illinois was one of the most recent ones to change their law. Think about this. You're poor, you owe court debt, and the the Department of Revenue takes away your driver's license, which makes it hard for you to drive to your job to get money to pay your court debt. Right. So the criminal justice system working in conjunction with the Department of Revenue actually makes it harder for you to make your court debt, and they punish your poverty. And then on top of that, what's going to happen? Well, when you're poor – and you either don't have a driver's license or can't afford insurance or whatever, you're still going to drive to get your job because you're trying to take care of your kids. You're still going to drive to the grocery store. You're still going to drive to your job. You're going to do everything you can to take care of your family. And now you're a criminal because now you're driving without a a driver's license and you get picked up, you get uh, driving on a suspended license and you can go to jail for that. You can go to state prison for that. During part of the time I was writing the book, Brooke Bergen was in state prison for driving on a suspended license because she couldn't afford to pay her court debt. Um, and and so this is the system doing everything it can to uh, punish people who live in poverty rather than using uh, limited taxpayer resources to try to improve folks' lives. I mean, the, the folks that are our neighbors and our kids and our aunts and our uncles and whoever they are who are in a city jail or a county jail or even a state prison, the system in theory is designed for those folks to come back to our community. Again, back to the Otis example, they are supposed to come back to our community after they sober up or whatever, you know, their particular issue is. And if we make it harder for them to come back to our community, we actually reduce our overall level of public safety. 
Uh, and, and this is part of the problem that we have in, in America, a country that leads the world in mass incarceration. Um, and that mass incarceration has not made us safer. Tony, can you hold on for like three minutes while we do a commercial break? When we come back, I want to tell our listeners more about where they can see you. And I have a question about judges. Are you available Absolutely. to hold on? Yep. Okay, great. The Jennifer and Wendy Show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever thought that if a relationship is good, it must take no work? Uh-uh, not true. Look at other people's relationships or even your your own. It takes work, whether it's a relationship with your significant other, your parents, your children, your friends, your work friends. Sometimes we all need a little help, and maybe that's therapy. Why not give BetterHelp a try? It is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire online, and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time if it's not a perfect match. I did this. I did switch therapists. You don't even have to tell the therapist. You just go online and say, no, not a perfect match. Please send me more profiles. Therapy is a great place to work through whatever challenges you face in your relationships. And it's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's for the rest of us as well. We're sometimes called the worried well. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash J-N-W today. You'll get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash J-N-W. 7 p.m. at the J, the Mirowitz Performing Arts Center, as part of St. Louis County Library's author events. Just go to slcl.org. Tony, one of the things you talk about in the book, and we often have this conversation in TV newsrooms when I worked there for decades, we need to know more about judges. And even when TV newsrooms had more resources, it didn't seem as though there was enough money to assign a reporter to each judge when they came up for re-election. What do we need to know about judges? Well, you know, I I have a, a, a chapter in the book called Judges versus Judges, and, and it looks at the different way in which we elect and or appoint judges in Missouri, because there's a there's a difference. So in in most of the most of the circuit judges, the local judges throughout Missouri are are elected, not in St. Louis and Kansas City, not in Springfield and not on the appeals courts of the Supreme Court. Those those judges are selected through a merit system in which they apply, they're interviewed by a bipartisan commission, and then they send three finalists to the governor and the governor appoints them. It's supposed to reduce the amount of politics that's that's involved in those judges. And and looking at the cases uh, involved in 2019 in which the Supreme Court ruled, the Missouri Supreme Court ruled unanimously in 2019 – that what all of the circuit court judges in rural Missouri were, were were doing was wrong, was illegal. Now, why would there be such a difference? These judges all went to the same law schools. They, they went to the University of Missouri. They went to UMKC. They went to SLU. They went to WashU. They, they, they studied the law in the same way. They're, they're, they're smart men and women and, and officers of the court why did all the circuit court judges get it wrong when Matthew Mueller, the public defender that was filing all these cases, rural county by rural county, that eventually made their way to the Missouri Supreme Court? How did the Supreme Court get it so right saying, no, you can't put people in debtor's prison in Missouri, and all the circuit court judges got, got it wrong? 
they're locally elected and they stand for election at the same time as the prosecutor and the same time as the sheriff and everybody's running on the same be tough on crime sort of of of, of mentality and and they conflate putting people in jail because they're poor and they can't af- afford their fines and fees with being tough on crime and it's the exact opposite it actually ends up filling our jails with folks who don't belong there, increasing the pain in their life and, and increasing the opportunities that they might have to commit crimes in the future. And it took the Supreme Court, where the judges are um, protected more from the vagaries of local politics, to just look at the law and say, no, you can't do this. This is wrong. Stop it. And and there's a value in understanding that having judges who have a separation from uh, the pressures of local politics improves the judiciary. To wrap it up, what changes have you seen since your book was first published in 2021? And again, the paperback version of Profit and Punishment comes out tomorrow. What changes have you seen, Tony? So one of the biggest things that's happened is the number of states that are getting rid of the law that allows states to suspend a driver's license for failure to pay court debt uh, has significantly changed. I don't know what the current number is, but it used to be more than half of the states had that law, and now it's less than half. Now Missouri is in the, the minority. Most of the states around us are changing that law so that you can't automatically suspend driver's licenses. It's 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 a really good – piece of low-hanging fruit that lawmakers are picking on. The other thing that's happening is there is now a nationwide movement called End Justice Fees, and it's got the ACLU on the left and the Koch brothers on the right, and they're singing from the same hymnal, and they're saying they want legislators to stop using the courts as a backdoor tax collection system. Use the courts for public safety. Don't use the courts to collect money out of poor people. So there is a growing movement to change this. Um, And, you know, it's slow, but uh, there's progress. And so, you know, if if everybody in America would buy my paperback tomorrow, we could solve this problem real quick. Well, and here's the other thing. What happens when newspapers no longer have the money to pay reporters like Tony Messenger? You spent so much time traversing the state. I mean, many long days, and somebody has to pay, and the news business is dwindling. It's one of the reasons, one, I'm grateful to have the support of the Post-Dispatch when I I go off into rural Missouri. I've spent a lot of time in the last year in Warren County and Iron County looking at particular situations in those two counties that are near St. Louis, but, but, you know, a little bit out in the rural hinterlands. And one of the reasons I do it is because there just isn't that much coverage in those areas anymore. And the folks there deserve uh, justice as much as the folks in St. Louis. Tony Messenger, thank you so much for joining us. You can see Tony Messenger this Thursday, February 29th, 7 p.m. at the Mirowitz Performing Arts Center at the JCC of St. Louis. He'll be talking about his book, Profit and Punishment. And for more information, this is part of the St. Louis County Library author events. Just go to their website, slcl.org. Tony, a pleasure and so admire your work. Thanks very much, Jennifer. Good to talk to you.
Now, are you turning 65 or starting to think about Medicare? Three months before you turn 65, you'll begin to get all these brochures in the mail about the different health insurance plans you're entitled to through Medicare. And you might still be working and think, nah, I don't need it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Ryan Raphael can help you make that decision. We call him the Medicare man. He's the owner of Senior Insurance Benefits, and he specializes in Medicare plans in St. Louis, Illinois, Georgia, Tennessee, and Iowa. I sat down with him a few years ago. He makes it so easy. Takes about an hour. He shows you all the insurance plans you're entitled to through Medicare, and he explains supplements, advantage plans, Part D, prescription plans, and then he'll compare it to the insurance that you get at work if you are still working and help you make the decision. If you don't go on it, no problem, but it's good to be informed. You can call the Medicare man at 314-368-6808 or visit Ryan Raphael online, MedicareManSTL.com. The World Bank 7 Missouri Tax Line 84126 is so interesting to me, Connor. We we have some black and white thinkers who I think have never done anything wrong, never had a speeding ticket, never had a loved one in jail, never visited a jail or a prison who have their mind made up. But if you have ever visited a jail or a prison or gotten stopped for a speeding ticket or had a loved one who was incarcerated, uh, I think you still would find Tony's book illuminating. Right. And I think it's easy to say, you know, well, you the other people do these crimes. They, they're the ones, they're, they accept the punishment. But, it, I mean, it, we've all done things that mm-hmm. have been, you know, at one point or another punished or, or in some cases not punished, right? Uh, yes. Especially if you're younger or if, you, if you're not, you know, everyone has probably been pulled over. Right? And b- before I read Tony's book, I always thought, what kind of loser doesn't pay child support? But there are many good reasons why people might be late with their child support payments and taking away their driver's license does not help the issue. And that's yeah. one of the changes. Like you said, how can you pay right. something if you can't, if get, you to can't get to the job? I know years ago I did stories at the Vandalia Women's Prison in Chillicothe. And I I was young, but I remember thinking, wow, these women, I would feel safe having these women babysit my niece and nephew. They're here for sometimes uh, these misdemeanor crimes or drug problems or they had severe chronic mental illnesses, and yet we incarcerate them. Again, you can see Tony Messenger Thursday, slcl.org, if you want more information. His book is illuminating, and we are so lucky to have a Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist here in St. Louis. Coming up on Top of the Hour News with Jim Fairchild and more from ABC, we'll be back with the second hour of the Jennifer and Wendy show. Wendy is off today, Connor McCarthy filling in after that. This is the Big 550 KTRS St. Louis. This is Jennifer Blom and Wendy Weiss You're a pal and a on KTRS. And if you threw a party, Brought to you by STL Medical Weight Loss. See the Dr. Joe difference at stlmedweightloss.com. We are so lucky in St. Louis to have Clayco Construction, and they do more than develop, design, and construct buildings. If you don't believe me, drive by the St. Louis County Library, which is in the midst of a fantastic renovation, thanks to Bob Clark. There's another thing we're talking about today, the Construction Career Development Initiative, known as CCDI. 
If you know somebody who might be thinking about getting into this business, we've got great news for you. Missouri State Senator Brian Williams is the executive director of CCDI. And I'm also joined by CCDI alum Devon Johnson, who is owner of D. Johnson Painting, LLC. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Senator, tell us about CCDI. What is it you have hopes for with this initiative? Well, first, thanks for having us on. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say my grandmother, she loved watching you and Art oh, uh, back in the please day. please so. thank her if she's still living, but thank you for she's passing still, that she's along. She's still living and telling me what to do. So. All right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thanks for having us on. And, and first, um, you know, CCDI is a program that started uh, from the aftermath of Ferguson's uh, unrest as a community that I grew up in and have represented for uh, quite a few years now, uh, to see a program that's really pushing underrepresented communities, in particular minorities, into the construction and design business has been just a game changer for our region, and uh, we're looking to take that to a national level. So how do people get involved? And the website is ccdi.org. Well, first, um, the way to get involved is start with our, our awesome program director. Her name is Rachel, and uh, she's really been carrying this organization for quite a few years now. Um, in that capacity, been able to engage young people in uh, school districts throughout the region, in particular North St. Louis County, uh, as well as um, looking at those that are maybe not the traditional route, that may have come out of high school and, and didn't get their high school diploma, but want to go into the construction trade. So. We're, we're looking at uh, young people and underrepresented adults in, in various capacities. And, and again, just really word of mouth, uh, getting involved in schools, talking to various stakeholders, uh, meeting people where they are. Uh, Bob Clark's uh, fun around this sense where he walks into restaurants and see a hardworking individual and say, hey, have you ever thought about working for uh, Clayco? Uh, that's what we want to do at CCDI, meet people where they are and, and get them in a position to do jobs that they never envisioned being able to do at a high level. I don't think I've ever met Bob Clark, but I cannot tell you, Senator, how many people say this to me about him, that Bob Clark, who invented Clayco, founded it back in the 80s, is just an unbelievable human being. Uh, Devon Johnson has D. Johnson Painting, LLC. How did you get involved with CCDI, Devon? So I originally graduated from North Technical High School in McClure. I also grew up in in the Ferguson area. Um, our instructor, Patrick Hannigan, he was just telling us about the program. He was like, you guys have to work very hard to get a part of it. It's not just something that will get handed to you just because you're getting placed, you know, with mentors and possible job pathways. So all of us pretty much worked hard. We all got a part of it. And then I met Tom Seacouse, Rachel Bomer, and Dan Lester of CCDI. They helped me get an internship at Clayco for three months as well as a college um, scholarship for construction management. Mm. So after my three-month internship, me and Tom sat back down, and he was like, hey, uh, you got three different pathways you could go. You could either work as a painter full-time, you could go to school and work as a painter, or you could just go to school full-time. I picked the second option because I wanted to be able to start my own painting company and just help with the diversity needs in the construction industry. So did that for about four years and then came back, told Tom I was ready, and we just went off on it. We went off to it, you know. So Well, tell us about D. Johnson Painting LLC and also what your day looks like. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of obsessed <laughs> with when people get up, what they do, and how they work. Most definitely. So <laughs> D. Johnson Painting is an MBE union signatory painting company. Um we're backed by Clayco personally. Those are they've been great mentors for me. 
helped me get the business started. Um, Tom Seekhouse, he had me at Clayco almost every Friday for six months straight, just helping me structure the business and, you know, letting me know what would be needed as far as insurance and employees and pretty much helping me get my backlog started. Um, my day-to-day, I would say I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning, go to the gym. After about 40 minutes to an hour, I'll go get on the um, massage bed, turn on guided, <laughs> you this. know, meditation um, on YouTube. And after that, I'll get my day started. I'll still listen to probably like a podcast or a motivational speech or just read an audio book on my way to a job site, check on it, and then go back to the office and start doing the daily I guess bookkeeping, um, replying to emails, bidding jobs, and so on. Now I'm at a lot of different networking events as well. So, so what did you learn through CZ, CCDI that you that helped you with your business? I would say how to personally be a leader, you know, and actually have that professionalism that it takes to start my company. Like for instance, Dan Lester, when we first started, when we, our first Saturday Academy, he always does and um elevator pitch training and that was like the biggest deal for me once I once he trained us on that I I believe almost every almost every I'm like 17 at the time almost every day I'm training on this elevator pitch just because I know like I want to be able to be in that position and you know possibly talk to somebody and give them my pitch about me starting my company once the time comes and that time did come once I met Tom Seacoast. Uh Senator Williams tell us about how you grew up in Ferguson and when you decided to get into politics. Well, I think the most important thing, it was fun listening to Devon because again, my motivation and passion is because of the fact that I remember being Devon. The only difference between him and I is that he had a plan and I did it. And um, had CCDI been around when I was in high school and coming out of school, um, I probably would have done something different. But um, in terms of just getting into public service, it simply started again with my mom and my grandmother. Uh, My mom was single. We're 19 years apart. And I remember uh, just clearly her telling me, um, you know, do what you can where you can and and the best you can. And uh, I remember uh, complaining about government and just the the future of our our state and our community. And my grandmother said one simple thing, uh, do something about it. And, you know, I wanted her to kind of show some empathy and kind of you know, say poor baby. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and she, and you know, she's done that, but with this instance, she said, you know, go do something about it. And, uh, that ultimately led to me, uh, making a decision to, to do something that, that most people find very difficult and that's get in the arena. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's really easy to say LeBron James isn't the best if you never played in front of millions of people or, or Taylor's not talented. If you never sold out a, a, a stadium in particular, in this instance, Arrowhead, uh, so, you know, I got in the arena and I uh, was fortunate to be elected as the first black male in two decades to serve in that chamber. Uh, and in this capacity, uh, everything we do at CCDI has uh, been just a passion and something that I've dedicated my career of service to. And uh, to get an opportunity to uh, lead this organization has been really rewarding. Uh, and I really want people to understand that uh, CCDI is an organization uh, that's really committed to working with uh, stakeholders and, and companies all over our region and our country. Uh, Clayco has just been very fortunate to be an investor and a supporter, uh, but to have, um, again, folks like Bob Clark and, and Clayco identify that this organization should have a leader uh, that understands not only the challenges of the population that we serve, 
but also have committed my life and my career to making this region better. And I and I hope uh, with our dedicated and very talented team we have at CCDI, I can learn from them and continue to lead in another capacity. CCDI stands for Construction Career Development Initiative, and State Senator Brian Williams is the executive director. You can go to ccdi.org. You know, when you look around St. Louis, even out here at Westport, there's construction everywhere. I keep thinking, really, another new hotel, new apartment buildings, but it seems like the business is booming here. Absolutely. I mean, one, St. Louis is a tremendous region, and um, we have so much potential. And and I'm hoping that even just leading at CCDI, and you're going to hear me say CCDI so much because of the fact that I believe it serves as uh, the keystone to our future. Uh, When you think about how important it is to build and develop our workforce, a diverse workforce, uh, that really pays right into the the fabric of St. Louis. And when you see all these different projects, like, uh, for example, I mean, we're building a new uh, BJC hospital. Uh, You see so many different development projects, NGA, uh, the list goes on. We need to be creating a workforce that's built on diversity, and we're committed to not only filling those jobs, but attracting the most talented people in this capacity to come to St. Louis and make it their permanent home. Well, see, here's the deal. Now, I have a niece who lives in Chicago whose husband is in the construction business, and they are in the city with two kids. It's it's outrageous to try to buy anything in Chicago. The traffic is unbelievable, and I keep saying St. Louis is it. It's a great place to raise kids. It's easy to get places. And so in what way is Clayco and CCDI reaching out to recruit people? Well, there's a couple of ways that we're doing it. We're starting right here. We're making sure that parents and grandparents and and um, family members are, are listening right now and saying, hey, go check out ccdi.org. Learn about that program. We're going in. We're making sure that we're forward-facing into schools, and we're not just encouraging um, young people to go into the profession, but understand what the profession is and what it does. We're not just talking about moving uh, bricks and, and wood around. We're talking about engineers. We're talking about architects. We're talking about future entrepreneurs. Uh, and Devon is a very uh, unique case because he took that initiative, but the background and the foundation of CCDI gave him the courage, gave him the, uh, in my opinion, the, the, the perspective to go out and become an, an entrepreneur. And those are tools and resources that we don't believe is really being uh, brought home when it comes to the future of our workforce. Devon, what was the most difficult part about that elevator speech that you mentioned that you practiced and practiced? Because it sounded like you were Mm -hmm. in business for a while, then you went to CCDI. Uh, Is it what's the most difficult part about selling yourself? I would say just having that confidence to actually, you know, talk to somebody who's in a higher position than you and not really worry about um not really too much have to worry about how the negatives you know of how they may be looking at you like it helped me be able to dish all the negative thoughts in my everybody has negative thoughts mm-hmm. you know when they're actually trying to become someone so that just really helped me have the confidence to be able to talk to somebody face to face and just give my pitch about what I want to do and who I am as a person and uh, Senator Williams, can you also can you give us a little more information about the diversity of jobs that are available for people if they do look up CCDI.org? Well, first, we Careers. need to make sure that the, the numbers are out there. I mean, you're talking about in the construction industry alone, 10% of that 
population identify as minority. And in St. Louis, it's half of that. So, Oh, really? Yes. So we need to, one, get those numbers up. And how do we get those numbers up? We have to have a place for them to go. And again, this isn't about one particular company. We're asking companies throughout the entire region to get engaged with CCDI, um, work with us to not only uh, contribute to the future of the workforce, but also position us to have an opportunity to um, drive, again, um, young people of, of various backgrounds into that profession. And it's going to be really important that they have mentors, really important that they get an opportunity to get high-level training. And, and we're hoping to bring that talent to, to all these companies. So any construction companies out there listening, we want you to come to the table at CCDI, and we want uh, you to invest in this program and become a partner because we're going to work hard to get the talent for your workforce. Missouri State Senator Brian Williams is the executive director of CCDI. That's the Construction Career Development Initiative. And alum Devon Johnson, owner of D. Johnson Painting, LLC. It's been a pleasure meeting both of you. Thank you so much. And I encourage our listeners to go to ccdi.org. If you want more information, then let us know on our Royal Banks, Missouri text line, 84126. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And just a programming note, every Saturday at 3 here on the Big 550, you can listen to Keep What's Yours. And that is a radio show all about money, co-hosted by Jeff Zufall of Capital Advisory Group and Josh Gilbert from the Heidi Glaus Show. And because it is the end of February, people are thinking about taxes, right? The show's called Keep What's Yours because Jeff Zufall wrote a book called Keep What's Yours, especially for small business owners and entrepreneurs so that they would keep up to date on all the tax code changes and know every single deduction they are legally entitled to take. Jeff said a few years ago he had some new clients who came to him and sheepishly said, I overpaid Uncle Sam. Jeff Zufall said no problem. He refiled their taxes and he was able to recoup money for some of his clients. But he doesn't want that to happen to anyone. He wants you to be prepared. Give Capital Advisory Group a call if you like, 636-394-5524. You can look them up online, capitaladvisorygrp.com. Or get to know Jeff by listening in to his radio show, Keep What's Yours, every Saturday at 3, right here on the Big 550. Jennifer and Wendy, Song of the Day. And I write the song. On the Big 550. KTRS. As you probably know from listening to many of us here on the Big 550, we love the CBS Morning Show. And yesterday, they did a piece on Rod Stewart, who is making new music with Jules Holland. So here is Frankie and Johnny by Rod Stewart and Jules Holland. Frankie and Johnny were sweethearts. At least that's the way the story goes. Frankie bought everything for Johnny, from his sports car to his Ivy League clothes. Oh, he was a man, all right. Oh, but he was doing wrong. Let me tell you what's happened. A friend came running at Frankie. She said, I wouldn't tell you no lie. I saw that man of yours in a Jaguar with a chick. Connor and I were talking about we we didn't even realize Rod Stewart was still making music. I didn't even I had no idea. He has eight children by five women, 
He collects really, really fancy cars. I'm not really a car person, but Mark was like saying, wow. And um, he is still making music. It's swing, I it's guess. It's swing. Yeah. He, I, he, not a lot of his other stuff is swing, right? <laughs> no, uh, but he and this Jules Holland are both amateur train enthusiasts. Okay. So I think they may have met that way. And then they both did music and they decided to do this album together. And, you know, it's never too late. Do you ever see The Hurt Locker with Catherine Bigelow? I have. She was 50, she, yeah. 57 years old. That was her first movie, old. right? Yeah. yeah. Morgan Freeman's first movie, 52 years old. Grandma Moses didn't start painting till 76. And just watching, they're on tour, but watching uh, Rod Stewart, who's, I think he's 79, around Mick Jagger's age. You know, watching him, he says he's not slowing down. He says he's not speeding up. <laughs> <laughs> But not slowing down. But he's not slowing down either. He's doing what he loves. So uh, there it is, Rod Stewart and Jules Holland. Uh, in a moment, we're going to speak with Jennifer McDaniel about the supplement creatine and what that can do for women. Uh, but now it's time for a health reminder. Don't forget to schedule your teeth cleanings, and Baldwin Dental Care can help you. Baldwin Dental Care is the largest female-owned dental practice in the state of Missouri. It's owned by Kimberly Simons, who honestly grew up in the practice because her dad owned it. And when she was in her teenage years, she's like, no way, I'm not doing this. And she did. She's a dentist. She has a whole team of dentists. And what they say as their mission statement is, we remember what it was like to be a patient. They make it so much fun for little children during their first visit, and they help the rest of us with anxiety. For those of us who have anxiety in the dental chair, they take really good care of you. When you walk into Ball and Dental Care, they hand you a comfort menu, and they want to know what you require to take care of your anxiety. Do you want a blanket? Do you want the dentist to talk you through everything? Would you prefer to have headphones on and listen to music or watch a movie on the ceiling? All of those are possibilities. They have a new patient special right now, a comprehensive exam, four x-rays, an oral cancer screening, and a cleaning, all for $99 or $100 credit on your account. They've been doing this for half a century, and they're good at it. They'll text you with reminders. They have Saturday hours and evening hours, They'll take really good care of you. Baldwin Dental Care, you can give them a call, 636-227-2552, or you can just Google Baldwin Dental Care. When you stop in, please tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you. I don't know about all of you, but we are always trying to do better in the gym and get stronger and stronger. So right now we are joined by Jennifer McDaniel from McDaniel Nutrition Therapy, good friend of the show, with news of a supplement that's becoming popular called creatine. Jennifer, thank you for joining us. Yes, I love to hear that y'all are pumping some iron in the gym. <laughs> yep, and I'm always impressed when I see people in their 70s who are right there with us. I mean, I think it's muscle center health is the most important as we age. What is creatine? Yeah. So creatine is a combination of three different amino acids, not actually a protein. Um, but when we take creatine, we have found that it helps, and I think really important for women, right? Because just as you mentioned, women lose muscle at a faster rate. We lose about 3 to 5% of our muscle per decade after the age of 30, all right? So we can 
we can keep that from not happening. We can really slow that down by doing exactly what you all are doing, which is lifting weights in the gym, and we can support that with adequate nutrition, including a creatine supplement. So basically, when we take this powder, it's, a, it's, a, it's usually how it's taken, it creates an environment in the muscle cell that allows for strength to improve more quickly, for function to improve better. So like in the research, they've shown that people who take creatine have better sit-to-stand tests, for example. Um, and it really helps with recovery. So, you know, if you're taking it, you might not be quite as sore because the muscles are actually working better when you're taking this supplement with the fast twitch acting, um, you know, things that we do when we lift a weight, right? That's fast acting mechanism. So anyway, I've recently started taking it about a month ago and I'm not for sure. I mean, creatine has been around forever. You know, it's been around mm-hmm. for such a long time, but I think it's becoming more popular because people are, yes, trying to be more proactive, especially women related to muscle and muscle function. And also there's been some emerging research that creatine may also be helpful with bone and brain health too. What is the sit-to-stand test you just mentioned? Well, so, you know, as we get older, you'll notice that people will take longer to get out of a chair, right? It, that takes lower body strength. And so um, it's that, and that is one of the things that happens fastest. The most rapid part of muscle loss as we age tends to be lower body. But yet lower body is incredibly important to not falling. So if someone can get out of a chair well, then that, and they can walk well, like, there's also been a, some, a research study that I saw, the faster people walk with aging shows that um, lowers the chance of risk of mortality related to how fast people walk. So, um, so, yeah, that's an important piece, and creatine seems to be, really support lower body strength. And I've read that everyone at home can listen to this. If you're about to get out of the chair, do it without putting your hands on the arms of the chair. Just get up just using your legs or work toward that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that also takes a lot of core strength, too, which we know is important, you know. Um, I want to just l- remind people, um, well, they might not know this, but, like, creatine is naturally made by the body. We well, that's already, what I wondered, us, yeah. Yeah, all of us have creatine in our in our bodies, um, but when we take, you know, it's about for most people five grams a day. You know, the recommendation is three to five grams of creatine a day. A lot of the research studies have based creatine off of body weight, so zero point one grams of creatine per kilogram is another ratio that people can use to prescribe how much that they need. Um, but that will increase creatine stores by about thirty percent. We also can get creatine in food. You get, you get creatine in meat products like beef or seafood or milk. But to get five grams of creatine in food, you'd have to eat three and a half pounds of cod or fish, <laughs> about 3.3 pounds of beef, or 200 cups of milk, <laughs> right? So we're not no, – maybe there's some meatheads out there doing that much protein, right? But we're not. <laughs> And so that's where creatine can really become beneficial because it's just meeting the need that we can't get through fully through food. How does it work? So it increases the, the muscle swelling of this, of the muscle cell. So the actual muscle cells will swell and it creates an environment for the ability that when you lift weights for all of the mechanisms that need to happen for muscle growth. 
And um, it's still a little bit unknown exactly, you know, how this is happening. Um, but it's it, – it, and let me just also say, because some people have concerns about weight gain, right? There's a little bit, oh, if my muscle cells are all swelling and now I'm, I might put on half a pound to a pound of weight, that is possible. So, but most of this research done in women have shown that it does not in, increase body weight. That all being said, even if we did, you know, gain half a pound to a pound of body weight, first of all, it's mostly water, you know, from the swelling of the of the muscle cell. But m- more importantly, wh- what do we care? You know, if we're gaining strength and we're gaining power and we're gaining function, what ca- you know, to me, a pound or two is not a big deal, right? When it, when when I'm gaining all these other wonderful right. things. So is creatine just like a daily vitamin then, or is it something you take when you're going to go work out? That's a good question about the timing. Yeah, when do we take this? So it's a powder, you know, um, and you just mix it in. It's it's flavorless. Um, I actually had my son Jack take some this morning. It's actually even safe for kids because he had a concussion scheme over the weekend, and we know that, you know, this can be very helpful for brain health. So I had him mix some into some juice, and he didn't even notice the flavor. But in terms of timing, the key is that you take it every day, not even on the days where you're not training. Um, I tend to put it in my water bottle when I train, so I'm, I'm having it right as I'm working out. But they, the research says you can take it before, during, after the workout. They don't seem to notice much of a difference. And then on the days when you're not working out, you just take it when you, rem- you know it's easiest for you to remember. If people are looking for this powder, I mean, I see so many different kinds of protein powder, whey protein. Uh-huh. What should we yeah. look for? A very good question. So we always want to look at a supplement and make sure it's third-party tested, right? So um, with a with a sports kind of nutrition product, we might put this in that category. I like to look for the NSF um, uh, certification on there. And so that means it's been third-party tested by this independent company. Um, on other supplements, you might look for USP, United States Pharmacopeia, uh, which is a third-party testing product. But, you know, if you go with a national brand name that's reputable, most likely it's the only ingredient. The only ingredient in creatine should be creatine monohydrate. It's just just what you – you don't need anything else. Um, and it's not a protein powder, right? It's separate from a protein powder. So you can still take a protein powder if that's something that fits into your lifestyle and makes sense. But remember, this is not a replacement for your protein powder. It's separate. Um, and it's a pretty small scoop. I mean, my five gram scoop is, you know, pretty small, but I will say, you know, uh, from my own little experience, I have noticed, I have noticed the ability to be stronger, you know, flexing my little muscle in front of my kids the other day. Look at mom's strong (laughs) bicep. Do you have clients or friends or relatives who have taken it as well, who are in different age groups? Yes. Um, I do. Now, I'm, I'm excited about this because it's new to me, so I don't have long-term testimonials. But let me tell you, the research is out there. I mean, I've looked at, you know, I just took a workshop, you know, a couple weeks on it ago. And, I mean, it's everywhere. And it's, and it's such a, like I said, it's been so well studied. But, yeah, I have my mom's on it now. I'm, I'm putting, you know, pretty much any woman who's in perimenopause or up. And even young athletes, though. I mean, there's really, there's research involved for all different age groups for different reasons. But, you know, I'm mostly concerned at this point for my, you know, my age group and older who are just losing muscle at a faster rate. Um, So really trying to preserve our function with aging. And you say it also may help brain health or bone health because Lord knows that's a concern for most of us over a certain age. Yeah. And 
I want to use, you know, the word emerging. It is emerging research. It's it's not incredibly strong yet, but they're seeing a lot of promise, and that's where more of the money is being poured into with research on creatine. With that that research, they're talking about much larger doses, you know, um, probably upwards to 10 to 20 grams of creatine a day. And I think, you know, at this point, my goal with my clients is to take what they need based upon their body weight for optimal muscle function. And then, um, you know, for specific clientele who might be coming in with something like I just talked about with my son who had a concussion, we might go a little bit higher, you know, in certain circumstances. But my current, you know, recommendation is that for most people, I would take the, you know, recommended dose of 0.1 grams per kilogram or around three to five grams per day until the science is stronger in the area of bone and brain health. And if you're just joining us, we're talking about creatine, which is different than protein powder. Uh, Jennifer McDaniel, how important is protein powder? Uh, Can we get enough protein in our daily diet, or is that something you recommend for some people? Uh, Some people, yes. I I think a lot of people can get adequate protein in their diet through food. And often that's the best way because when you eat food, you also eat fiber and phytonutrients and vitamins and minerals and it's in a natural form you know so that tends to be great you know very good and I just I encourage clients to make sure they've got protein at every single meal um, for multiple reasons but there are some individuals who either maybe they have higher needs or they're just very busy and they don't have time to sit down to a meal or it's just it's just more convenient you know to include a protein powder so I, I'm a food first kind of person, and in fact, I don't really recommend many supplements. I, you know, I tend to recommend a vitamin D for a lot of people, and then the omega three. That's it. So the fact that we're talking about supplements at all, you know, I think goes to show that I really do believe in this product. Um, but yeah, I think protein powders tend to be pretty expensive for what you get, mm-hmm. and if people are, you know, trying to also watch their budget, you're going to get a lot more protein in egg whites or eggs and chicken and tofu, then you're going to get in a protein powder. Uh, Jennifer, as you know, we have a text line on the Jennifer and Wendy show, and somebody from the 314 is asking, can you take this without working out or training? I'm 62. I have a hip, chronic hip condition, a muscular issue. I work with a PT and chiropractor. Should I add creatine? Yeah, there is some research that shows for people who are not lifting weights that there can be some value. You're going to get you know, the exponential value when you actually lift weights. But if you're working with a physical therapist, right, you are doing something. You're moving. You're, you're, I'm sure they have you, you know, lifting small weights or doing functional training. And so the creatine powder might absolutely be something of value to her. Um, so I think that, yeah, there is there is small amounts of research that do show even if you're not lifting weights, there can be potential benefits to taking this powder. And always good to check with your physician before you do any of this. Uh, Jennifer McDaniel is the owner of McDaniel Nutrition Therapy and also has a podcast called Love You More. And I, I can't remember when you first started this. I, I remember we talked. How is it going? And what do you cover oh, in your podcast? Oh, thanks for asking. It's so much fun. I'm really glad I did it. I was nervous to start it up, but it's been, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So, um, gosh, I guess we've been doing it for almost two years now, but I do a, I do a couple solo episodes here and there, but I also do bring on guests. The conversation usually centers around what we call deep level self-care, 
you know, how can we listen to ourselves, learn from ourselves. Um, we have had all sorts of guests on related to things like um, how to take constructive criticism well, you know, um, how to learn how to meditate, you know, with intention, um, how omega-3 fatty acids can actually help deep-level self-care through mental health benefits. So we have lots and lots of um, unique conversations on there. They're not very long, um, but, yeah, it's certainly been a lot of fun to do and to meet people. Um, we also talk quite a bit on there about uh, alcohol-free journeys for those who are interested in learning about the health benefits of drinking less or being sober curious. So there's plenty of conversation on there about that as well. Didn't you just celebrate one year anniversary? Yeah, I did December the 17th. So I don't know, I guess I'm at like what, 14 months now or something. So yeah, (laughs) I stopped counting. (laughs) I stopped counting, but yeah, it's been a great decision. Um, One of the best decisions I've ever made. So Thanks for bringing that up, Jennifer. Jennifer McDaniel, McDaniel Nutrition Therapy. She's all over social media. Thanks so much for joining us again, Jennifer. Always good to talk to you. It was a pleasure. I'll see you in the gym. Okay, sounds good. Finding the right memory care community is one daunting task. Wendy and I often talk about this because we have both gone through this for a parent. It takes a village to find the right place, a village of expert memory care clinicians, and that means skilled nurses and staff for every stage of dementia, from assisted living to skilled nursing care. Park Provence offers the most advanced care available for dementia and Alzheimer's disease. The medical director is Dr. David Carr, and we've had him on our show before. He's a professor at Washington University School of Medicine, and he's one of the nation's leading researchers about dementia and Alzheimer's. The community's whole place is designed to keep the people who live there safe and engaged. There's a series of five connected, interconnected households on the property, and the households are made up of people with similar abilities and care requirements. Park Provence offers the security of a consistent routine. That's important. But they encourage residents to be physically and mentally active. There's a whole range of activities. There's art therapy, music therapy. The art therapists use this process of making art to enhance their quality of life and to keep people engaged because, as we often say, when people move into a community, they've already dealt with a series of losses, the loss of a spouse perhaps, the loss of an animal, the loss of uh, their community as they knew it. So they're moving into a new community, and they need help. And that's what Park Provence offers. Call Andrew or Michaela at 314-542-2500. You can learn more about Park Provence, or you can schedule a tour. Tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you, and you'll receive a special offer. Connor, I was getting kind of worried we didn't hear from Mike from accounting when he said creatine is inexpensive, too. Oh, I, I think he's texted him before. You might have missed, you might have oh, missed it. Oh, maybe I did. Yeah. Yeah, Wendy is off until Thursday. Joe Holloman will be in tomorrow. And um, I just feel like every time we do this program, I learn something new about our texters. And there are some people who texted in today uh, about Tony Messenger's book, Profit and Punishment, mm-hmm. uh, who have... Very distinct views about yeah, and no mercy. Know, I guess I hope that they can listen to Tony or read the book maybe and mm-hmm. maybe get a different different side of the argument. It is so interesting that this Pulitzer Prize winning columnist had his own experience 
while he was sitting there having lunch with his children in mid-Missouri, where he worked as a reporter, but had barely any money. And he had to make a decision once, do I pay the car payment or do I take care of my kids? And his car was repossessed. And, you know, we never Mm. know people's backstories. Uh, If you want to see Tony Messenger, he is a St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist. His book, Profit and Punishment, comes out in paperback tomorrow. And as part of the St. Louis County Library author series, they're bringing him to the J on Thursday, February 29th at 7 p.m. That's at the Mirowitz Performing Arts Center. On all, Leap Day. Yeah, that's right. How about that? All you have to do is go to slcl.org. So what do people who are born on the 29th do? Just celebrate on the 28th? I've always wondered if they go early or the day after, right? Do they do they have to pick one? Yeah. Uh, I would say the first, right? Because the 28th, it hasn't happened yet. But by the first, it that would be the day. Right? Oh, I see. Tech- so it's scientifically. the day after the 28th <laughs> is the first, right? So you'd go with that. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone out there is born on Leap Day and they... Celebrate on the 28th. And then what about a wedding anniversary? Yeah, that's a good question. I yeah. know people forget those from time yeah, to time. Don't get married on leap day, I guess. <laughs> Otherwise, you want to get an anniversary every four years. And how does it affect one's taxes <laughs> if you're married on leap day? Do taxes ever ask you how long you've been married? I can't. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there was a texter in before uh, a few days ago or maybe a, a couple weeks ago that said, you know, I'm a salaried employee. Uh I work on leap day. It's an extra day that I work, and it's not like they adjust my salary. Hmm. It should, you know, it should be a holiday. That's right. And I think maybe that texture is onto something. Maybe that should be a holiday. Was that Mike from accounting? No, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was. Well, thank you all for joining us. John Carney and Julie Buck are up next. Thank you, Connor, for sitting in today. We'll be back with the Jennifer and Wendy show tomorrow at ten. Have a great I'm afternoon. So glad we had this time. Just to have a laugh or sing a song. Is your IRS tax debt making you feel anxious? The professionals at Allies Tax Relief are ready to negotiate your fresh start. Call them now at 800 230 5100.